Hello, I'm John Ellis and welcome to Pitodry PS, a brand new, predominantly Dons-based podcast featuring not just the Dons first team, but a look across the age groups and genders at the club. And not just the Dons, we'll cover the respective progress of Cove and Peterhead too, as well as the Northeast local representatives in the Highland League and juniors, and not just football, but any sport making headlines in the Northeast of Scotland or featuring someone from the Northeast of Scotland. And joining me on this journey, Dave McDermott and Andrew Shine, the men who've been the voices of Northeast Scotland sport for so many years. I've been on the Tano at Petotti for 16 or 17 seasons. And even when I joined all the way back then, people at the club were wondering when Dave and Andrew might retire because their affinity with the Dons stretches back even further as fans and employees. We all worked together at North Sound on the Friday Sports Show and figured it, it might be quite fun at the start of a new season to do it again in the form of a weekly podcast. So here we are recording this episode in the morning of Tuesday, 10th of August, looking ahead to European and Scottish League Cup action shortly after a look back and a postscript on the week that was following an away trip to Iceland and then one on the road to Livingston on Sunday, which ended in a 2-1 win for the Dons. This time, unlike Friday Sport, we also have our own mascot, as you can hear, barking in the background. Is it your house, Dave? It is. I told <laughs> him to be quiet, and uh, sadly, I'll, I'll try and mute for no when I'm not speaking. Speaking after the 2-1 victory in Livingston, manager Stephen Glass. First half, our performance was a little bit slow. Uh, allowed them to dictate a little bit, I think. Uh, but off the back of the travel and changing the group, it might be understandable. But I think the response is more important than the second half from the group. And it was a win for an Aberdeen lineup which had wholesale changes from the European game in midweek. It's not bringing one player into a group that's been steady. Uh, you, you have to show a level of patience as a coaching staff, not to go and make big changes at half time or anything like that. Uh, so that was important for us as a staff to be, I'd probably say, tolerant of the, the level of performance in the first half and understanding rather than tolerant. Uh, but I think the players got their awards for the work rate, uh, not only from a day, from a group of players that's not played a lot and have worked hard since we started in the middle of June. I think it was middle of June. It's a while back now. But yeah, they've worked ever so hard and not had any reward in terms of playing time. So to get that today and feel that scoring a last-minute winner, I'm delighted for the group. The winner scored in the last minute by a delighted Jack McKenzie. Doesn't get much better than that at all. Uh, just cut inside and just thought, may as well have a go and... You see, the old cliche, if you don't buy a ticket, you don't win the raffle. We weren't at it in the first half, uh, and we came out with a different attitude in the second half, and we really took the game to them, and I think we deserved the win in the end. And such was the nature of the goal. The fans erupted from the Dons area of the stadium, spilling onto the trackside in their jubilation. Manager Stephen Glass has some sympathy for their behaviour. Yeah, I think it shows what it means. Uh, it shows what it means to any any club, any time you score a last-minute winner, but... People have been, they've had a bit of emotion pent up for the last 18 months, I think, across the whole country. And I think you'd see a similar reaction if any team scores a last-minute winner. Uh, but for us, we're delighted that we give that to the supporters. Not quite sure the authorities will see it that way. For the home side, well, if you had to pick beforehand who might score a goal against Aberdeen in this one, you'd bet on it being this guy every day of the week because well, that's just how it always goes. Formerly of this parish, now Livy's Bruce Anderson Reckons his side should have got more from the game. Very disappointed, to be honest. We're all gutted in the dressing room. Um, you know, I feel I feel like we, we definitely didn't deserve to lose the game. Um, you know, Max didn't really have much to do, and you know, two mistakes cost us the game. So we'll look to put that right next week against against St Mirren. We've got to park that now. We've got to move on, and you know, just start picking up the wins. You were at the Livingston match, Andrew. What were your thoughts on the the performance post match? You feel you're learning more about this Stephen Glass team game by game? 
Yes, I think uh, what you're learning is that you're going to be richly entertained. It's going to be, uh, you know, edge of your seat stuff quite a lot of the time. Uh, it wasn't a brilliant performance. I think the fact that he'd made so many changes to the starting 11, it did slightly disrupt the flow a little bit. Uh, but when Scott Brown came on for Johnny Hayes, you saw immediately he came on and he went round just about every individual saying, right, you've got to do this, you do that, you do the next thing. And the tempo of the game was lifted. And they, in the end of the day, a strong second half performance, albeit with a few little dips in the middle where you thought Livy might just get back into it. Uh, Jack McKenzie, as you said, scored that memorable last minute winner. Got to say, it has to be said of... Um, a real goalkeeping blunder by Max Stryek, uh, but Aberdeen got the victory. And it's often the sign of a good side that when they're not playing well, they still manage to grind out a victory. And that's what Sunday was. It was a grind. Yeah, and uh, and Scott Brown running onto the pitch, as you say, and, and telling everyone where to go and, and what to do. He didn't even have a sheet of paper as, as uh, he used to have. And he could have done because now he's not the Celtic side to nick it from whoever runs on with the piece of paper in the first place. That's right. Um, Dave, your thoughts on that Livingston match, Dave? Yeah, I think Andrew's summed it up. And uh, I think given the way the other results have gone, the Rangers dropping points, Celtic already dropped points against Hearts. You know, it's just these wee things, fine margins between success and not failure, but a, a share of the spoils. You saw what it meant to the fans by the way they reacted with that last-minute goal. And, you know, it will have given everybody, not least Jack McKenzie, a huge confidence boost. And, uh, you know, he, along with Calvin Ramsey, as we'll, we'll talk about, they're two real success stories and could go all the way. But, no, it was three points that we didn't look like getting as the game wore on. It looked as though it was a share of the spoils, not the worst result, because it's a difficult place to go, as we know. But to get the three points, that was a real boost. Um, just a, a brief word on the fans spilling out. I'm not portioning blame, but uh, in, in your experience, when our fans spill out into, um, well, onto the pitch, I guess it was, um, an away venue, <laughs> if there is a fine apportioned to that, who picks up that fine? I think the stewards must take partial responsibility. I mean, it's it was the first time in so long that away fans were there, so you could have foreseen if something like what did happen was going to happen, the reaction would be fairly over the top. And uh, so, you know, there's no doubt we'll, we'll get our fingers wrapped at, at best for it, but uh, I do think that the stewarding must be questioned as well. Okay. One of the things that I confirmed in my own mind during the week, Andrew, is, is Stephen's not afraid to make big decisions at any point. Three off at halftime in Iceland when the score was 2-2. The Dons had actually led 2-0 um, before they let that lead slip to that halftime score. Changing personnel and formation. Some managers may have waited after a team talk uh, and a reorganisation at that point to see how things started in the second period, but Stephen was straight in. And again, for the start of Sunday's game, it's uh, what a lot of fans have been calling for, is squad rotation. Yeah, well, you've got a big squad at Pataudry. I mean, we've spoken about uh, the strength and depth that there is there. You saw that um, from the bench in the, the first two or three games. And then on Sunday, he made the six changes. And uh, it didn't work entirely. Um, there were one or two that still looked a little bit ring rusty because they haven't had any game time. Bear in mind that there was only the two pre-season friendlies. And then if you haven't played in any of the competitive games, you haven't had an, an opportunity to get on the park in a proper competitive environment uh, to get yourself going. But uh, he used his bench well. And uh, I think it's going to be the case when you're playing 
Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, which we hope will go on for a good number of weeks. Mm. Um, uh, you're going to need that squad rotation. But it, it maybe just highlights to the guys who are sitting on the bench, they've got to be absolutely ready. And they, uh, it, it's all augering well. I, mean, I thought Jack Garr was very good. Uh, Dylan McGeeoch was excellent. And uh, Teddy Jenks took time to settle into the game. But wow, what a goal he scored. Great goal. Be- beautiful strike. Yeah. Again, Max Strayek, maybe a little bit at fault, got two hands to it and could only push it into the side of the net rather mm. than around the post. But that's picking holes in what was a, a great hit. And uh, I think the, the future is good for Aberdeen, but... It's the old adage, take every game as it comes, because as we've seen from the, the opening couple of games in the league season, anything can happen. Mm. It's interesting, you know, I, I spotted a few fans online saying, yeah, it's what we've called for for ages. When, when Derek was in charge latterly, we talked about squad rotation. And I thought, yeah, and, you know, before that, we talked about Jimmy's tombola. It's it just it just shows you know how, how fickle fans can be. Dave, last we spoke before the United game at Petodre for the the domestic season opener, you said they, they'd uh, they'd be a better gauge for how well the Dons are playing. Do you see that and, and the Livingston Livingston matches sort of tests past? Are you starting to feel a little bit more optimistic about this group's chances of doing something significant? Yes, certainly. I mean, I think I think that you've got to look at the fact that United were flat against us. A week past uh, Sunday, but uh, you know the Dundee United that played against Rangers at the weekend was a totally different animal to the one we faced. So you take that, and again, though, so, you know they, they played as well as we allowed them to play. But uh, no, I, th- I think it, it augurs really well. It's not perfect by any means, as anyone I'm sure would agree. But uh, no, it's starting to to look, you know. You've got to be no more than quietly confident when you follow Aberdeen because anything more and you're setting yourself up for a huge fall. Positive results do breed confidence, though. By any measure, Dave, he, he didn't start on Sunday and I thought it was an obvious miss. But from what we have seen, it seems like Christian Ramirez is an absolute instant hit. Yeah, he's certainly fancy. I thought when he came on on Sunday, he didn't really get himself in, into the game. But, uh, you know, his goals that he's been scoring... We've been crying out for someone that can that corner routine where he, where he hit the ball, as as Andrew and I were talking about. We've seen that corner routine give us countless outcomes, of which not one is normally a, a goal. You know, it's fresh airs, it's a uh, you know real comedy of errors, but uh, he hit that ball so sweetly. And uh, you know, I, I think we said it. We've said it before. It reminds me of an Adam Rooney gets yeah. himself into the right places at the right time. He doesn't score too many spectacular goals. Majority, I think, will be from a couple of yards. But uh, Adam made a career out of that not too unsuccessfully. Yeah, something the, the club's been keen on promoting in the close seasons. They don't want to impede the internal progress of our, our younger players, and as a result, we're seeing more of the likes of Jack McKenzie and, in particular, Calvin Ramsey, who's only just turned eighteen. Do you think he'd have been getting his chance at this stage anyway, Andrew, or is it is boldness paying off at this point? Um. I think it's a bit of both, really. I mean, uh, when you look at Calvin in particular, being a right-back, Shea had obviously reached the end of the road at Aberdeen, so you're looking to see, do we have someone in the building that can step into that position? I've seen Calvin for two or three seasons uh, playing at the the younger age groups, and I was always very impressed with his athleticism, the fact that he's comfortable both on his right and his left foot. um, His... It's fearlessness, almost. I mean, he, he's a breath of fresh air to the team. He still has a lot to learn, 
Uh, we saw that up in Iceland. Uh, his slip led to uh, the, the penalty that, that gave Breda Blick their second goal. Um, so there, there are still bits that he has to learn, but he's a good listener. Um, he's a willing learner. The sky's the limit for that laddie. And over the other side of the park, Jack McKenzie, uh, three years older, uh, very mature for, for his age, very intelligent, quiet, clever boy off the park, but on the park, I think Andy Considine said he's the best one-on-one -on -one defender we've got at the club, and he just loves defending. He himself says, I need to get myself forward more. He got himself forward in the last minute, scored the goal. So that'll be a, another lift to his confidence. And, uh, you know, it's, it's good to see these young lads getting the chance, um, but you've got to be good enough. There's no point in throwing young kids in there just for the sake of it. If you're good enough, you're old enough. And I think Stephen Glass, having been there himself as a player, yeah. can empathise with these guys so much better than someone who, you know, Anand Postecoglou, for example, at Celtic, who wasn't a great player, wasn't a young player who made huge strides very early in his career. So I, I think the future's good for Aberdeen. There's, there's young players who will be knocking on the door because they will see the progress that the likes of Calvin has made and think, hey, I can do that. So they'll go and they'll work harder because they know that there is that pathway to the first team. Yeah, and that, that's that. I mean, that's part of the process, isn't it? I mean, you talk about not impeding the progress, but also, uh, the, you know, the, the younger players seeing their peers going ahead and doing it, think, well, if he can do it, so can I. Other uh, more experienced players appear to be profiting as well. Ojo, we've mentioned before, and you said, Andrew, you, you always thought given a more regular run, which he had last year when he was out on loan, uh, would mean he'd come good and find that form. It certainly seems that way. McGeoch, when he came on in Iceland, seemed to control the tempo of that game as he does when he's playing well. Johnny Hayes getting up the park and scoring, looking fresher than he has in a while before picking up that knock against Livy. Is it just the start of a season or are all these players perhaps benefiting from a change? Both. Um, it is the start of the season, so their legs will be fresher now than they will be, say, come March, April time. Uh, but I think all the players uh, in talking about the new management team have said there's new ideas to be embraced. There's new passages of play that they're, they're being introduced to. And I think it's, it's a bit of everything, but the fact that the players are embracing the new regime's ideas is very important because sometimes you get older players can be a little bit set in their ways and think, ah, it looks like a good idea, but I know the way to do it. It's the way that I've always done it. But I think we're, we're seeing, uh, particularly in the, in the likes of Funso Ojo, I, I did say, you know, given games, he's, he's a good player. Uh, we all knew that. He's Belgian. He's very good technically. Uh, he's shown a turn of pace at times this season that we didn't know he had. He's still to work in his goal scoring. Yeah. There seems, yeah. seems to be every time yeah. Funso plays a game. Um, <laughs> There's already a tape, in, isn't there? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the, the, great, the great chances I've blown so far this season. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's like everything else. Once you get one, who knows? You might get two or three after it. Uh, but uh, no, the, there's there's a freshness about the play that Aberdeen are, are putting out onto the park that I think is being welcomed by the fans and it's good that fans are back now to actually see it rather than just see it on television. They can shout and scream at their TVs, but it's much better to be at the ground cheering on or otherwise uh, when the, the play is, is there in front of you. 
Let's look at the positive side. Just going back to Foon Soldier for a second. At least he's getting in the positions whereby he has the opportunity to take the uh, the chance. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's the important thing. And you know how I love a start. Um, I was looking really, at Andrew? The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one, one here and there. Um, uh, we've scored a dozen goals so far this season. Six of the assists have come from our fullbacks. That tells you a bit about the the the, the play. Whereas before it was Hayes and McGinn who played further up the park, which supply the, the ammunition. Now it's McKenzie and Ramsey. So that that's all good. The European tie finally poised. They have a good win out there last week. It'd be nice if away goals still counted for two in the circumstances you'd require them to. But equally, you know, they showed they're not mugs. Um, with that crowd at home that Andrew's talking about, do you expect us to race away in the second leg and, and book an extra round fixture? Not sure race away, but I do expect us to book a gets itself through to the next round and again the crowd as we saw on Sunday it made such a difference having the crowd and Petordia will be a full house I'm quite sure on Thursday night so that will make a hell of a difference to, to the players and uh, I do expect Aberdeen to progress comfortably without racing away but if we get an early goal who knows uh, and um, a couple of injuries sort of knocking about on on Sunday uh, one of them was Finn Zoja who, who got injured in the um, in the warm-up um, we expect him to be back I would hope the other one who, who didn't even make the bench was Lewis Ferguson now do we think that his injury is perhaps being sort of wrapped up right now in, in, a, in a pretty little bow so that we can post him off to wherever it is that he's going or is, is there nothing in that at all I, I would hope there was nothing nothing in it. Certainly Stephen came out and said he, he picked up, I think it was in the warm-up over in, in Iceland, he, he picked up a knock and said he would manage 45 minutes, which is one of the reasons why he was replaced at half-time. But, uh, you know, the, the club are desperate to, to hold on to Lewis Ferguson quite rightly. And the other one, of course, who was missing out of the squad was Conor McLennan, mm-hmm. which, if it was rotation, does seem strange because Conor, Conor I thought, was excellent when he came on in in the second half in Iceland, but uh, hopefully nothing sinister in terms of injuries because once injuries start hitting and then suspensions come in, it can very quickly a big squad can become a very stretched squad. Mm. I just a nod ahead to uh, to after that European game when we move into the the Scottish League Cup Sunday afternoon at midday, a, a trip to Starks Park where we, we most certainly hope that they won't be dancing in the streets of Wraith that night, but. It's this sort of fixture, Dave, you were talking about this earlier, that being a Dons fan would have us slightly uneasy on the evidence of some previous years. How do you see it going this time? Wraith Rovers versus Aberdeen. I think I think we'll win and they have got horrible memories of being down at Wraith Rovers when uh, Mark McGee literally threatened to chin one of the reporters after the <laughs> abject display down there. So it's not a happy, certainly a happy underground for me. And uh, Andrew, you'll be, you'll be down at that one. But... Uh, were you at that game as well? No, I wasn't. No, I think I was taking my sabbatical at that time. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I didn't attend it's any of the games. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I attended any games when Mark McGee was manager. It's a, a, a spell that um, we just um, draw a veil over. But uh, yeah, Wraith Rovers will, I don't know if they'll, they'll fancy their chances, but John McGlynn will, will put a side out there, certainly to compete with Aberdeen. But uh, I think in the evidence that we saw from Sunday, where there was big changes made to the starting 11, it's strong enough that it should be able to deal with Wraith Rovers, regardless of whether Stephen uh, goes for a Sunday lineup or a Thursday lineup, because the Thursday lineup this week will be very different to the Sunday one. But uh, I, I think Aberdeen have got a great chance to progress. In the Premier Sports Cup, 
to give it its official title. <laughs> yeah, you hoping for a job with Premier Sports? No, not at all. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, but it was interesting. Stephen Glass described it as the bet Fred. So, all right. Um, you know, managers are never really up to speed with who's sponsoring what. It's the league. It cup. does change every year. It seems, doesn't it? It's had yeah. so many sponsors over the, the past couple couple of decades. It's a League Cup, and if you win it, it's a League Cup, and if you don't, it's a Diddy Cup, and that's that's how it's always been. Um, Aberdeen FC women's team carrying that good feeling on through the weekend with a 2-1 victory over at Boromir Thistle in the SWPL Cup. Eva Thompson scoring in the first half, followed by a second-half penalty scored by Francesca Ogilvy. Um, Dave, this one, a, a cup game, but having gained promotion so emphatically just a few weeks ago, how do you see the women's team getting on this year? Well, it's a huge step up, but uh, after back-to-back promotions, the squad hasn't really changed much from last season, but they, they were very emphatic in the way they, they, they won the, the second tier. So, yeah, it's a step up. I think consolidation must be the, the main priority this time round. But, you know, who knows? They've got some bright young players. You know, mentioned Francesca, who's been capped at, under 19 level for Scotland and they and others so that they, you know they'll they'll certainly give as good as they get and I, I don't see them doing anything other than managing to consolidate in the top flight and then hopefully next season going to challenge for honours but you know it could be it could be this year they are very good Emma Hunter's done a wonderful job yeah sometimes you're the, that surprise package when you go up to the uh, to, yeah. to a new league yeah uh, just a word, Andrew and Barry Robson's under-18s and the reason that we're recording our podcast on Tuesday morning, allowing you to, to make the trip with the team for what I imagine will be a, a tough challenge against Broader Rangers in the SPFL Trust Trophy later today. You got that trophy name right. Well done, because I couldn't remember. <laughs> I was going to call it the Challenge Cup. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it will be a, a difficult game against a, a Broader side who, you know, for the last few years have been flying high in, in Highland football. Uh, although uh, they came to earth with a Fairly thought, severe yeah. bump uh, on Saturday there when they were leading 2-0 against Fraser Barat Bellsley after a, a, about 10 minutes. Yeah. And then the, the sky fell in on them. They ended up losing 6-2. And Stephen Mackay, the manager, decided to resign after the game. So um, not saying that Brewer are in crisis, but it all is not well there. Uh, Barry's under-18s, um, a very young side um, because uh, there's a lot of 16-year-olds playing in that team. But they started their uh, league campaign very well with a 3-2 win against Celtic at Cormac Park last Friday. And speaking to Mal Panton, who was at the game, he said he was very impressed with the way they played. They zipped the ball around very well. Uh, they looked to have some good uh, individual players. They looked very fit. So they'll, they'll have their work cut out against a strong broader side. But uh, I'm hoping that it's a, a bit better than last time I visited Brora with an Aberdeen side when we got gubbed 6-0, got home about 3 o'clock in the morning, but then came the sweetener. We flew off to Croatia the next morning. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, we'll get beaten out there in Rijeka as well. But um, So unfortunately, I'm not going to Croatia uh, tomorrow morning, but I've uh, got a long hike up and down to, to Brora. But um, I think the boys will, will put up a good showing. Yeah, and uh, listen, if, if by... Uh, any stroke of fate were 1 0 up um, with a couple of minutes ago. Any Barry Robson team is going to be well drilled and taking that ball down at the corner flag and just stand to there holding off your man. I think Barry will be on the park himself <laughs> doing, <laughs> doing that if that's the case. <laughs> Mind you, imagine losing the manager. Can you imagine the Vanessa Curia just now? It'll be Curia Catas Crisis. 
that'll be a, <laughs> that'll be the headline the local well, paper. Saying Keith lost Andy Roddy and Tommy Olsen at the weekend after their hammering by Bucky Thistle. So early doors, but already casualties in the Highland League. Yeah, we'll come on to the Highland League in a bit. But right now, let's move on to Cove Rangers uh, and a disappointing result away to Queen's Park after Fraser Five got red carded for what was described as a mistimed more than a malicious tackle on Charlie Fox. The end result. A 2-0 loss for Cove. Queen's going well since turning full-time, Dave. Maybe too early to judge, but it looks like it might be a tougher year in Cove's progress. I think it will be. A, it's a, a really, really tough league. League one and uh, everybody capable of beating everybody else on their day, but too early to to you know to be able to get things to pan out. I mean, Cove are at home to East Fife on Saturday. Um, and the... Sending off Fraser Five, he did change the game because uh, it was just before half time. Uh, early in the second half, the one two from Queen's Park killed the game off. And, uh, you know, Fraser, even at his age, he'll learn, learn from that. And, uh, you know, Fraser's not a dirty player, he's a hard tackler, but he's not a dirty player. And, uh, you know, he'll obviously miss out the game on the weekend. Ross Draper was missing on Saturday. Hopefully, he'll be back uh, from injury. Jamie Masson is a bit closer, but probably still this game come too soon for, for him. But it's one that they really do need to, to win on Saturday, get all three points to, to keep themselves in at the right end of the table. Peter Head, Andrew, on the wrong end of a 2-1 scoreline against Falkirk as well. But you remain relatively confident how they might go this year. Yeah, I've been speaking to Jim McAnally a bit. Um, I, I, and he was saying that everybody is tipping Peter Head to finish bottom of the table. He doesn't believe that will be the case. And he says... I'm going to use that as motivation uh, for my players. I think after the, the opening day win against Aloha, uh, the local Aloha paper uh, had a, a bit in saying how disappointing it was that we lost that team like Peter Head, who will do nothing this season. Uh, well, they've done something more than Aloha had done in, in that opening day. But you, you look at the, the League One league table, nobody has 100% uh, after two games, which, as Dave said, just emphasises how tight that league is going to be. Uh, nobody has no points. Um, so everyone is capable on their day of, of being very good or very bad. Um, it's about getting a, a consistent run together. Uh, Peter Head away to Montrose this week. Montrose, who looked to be 2-0 up and cruising at home to Clyde last week and then lost two very late goals. So, uh, you know, it, it's all in the melting pot. It's still so early in the season. That it, it, it's all sort of everybody jockeying for position. But uh, I think Peter Heads, having the experience of Jim McAnally and Davy Nichols in the, in the dugout and having some decent players there on the park, uh, they'll, they'll manage to, to keep their heads above water Fairly comfortably. And Mother Courier did crisis for Cataracts. The Aloha advertiser will do atrocious attackers. That's <laughs> an... <laughs> um, just while we're on the subject, gents, Friday Sports, we were talking about Peter Head there. Friday Sport has moved in the close season as well, now based on Waves Radio. I'm going to guess on Fridays. Uh, but at what time, Dave? Tell me about that. Six o'clock to seven. Uh, we had our first show last week and they uh, managed to cover a variety of sports in some detail and uh, thoroughly enjoyable it was as well so Waves Radio you can get Alexa to play Waves Radio which I've been doing quite regularly last week and uh, between 6 and 7 and uh, all local sport or the vast majority is local sport indeed as is Pittori PS uh, On to Highland League and uh, as usually only happens in fixtures of that nature and even then only rarely the first 
10-0 game of the season last Saturday. Bucky at home to Keith, and you've heard about the fatalities there as a result. Unsurprisingly, that result puts uh, Keith bottom after three league matches and Bucky top. Other scores of note, uh, we mentioned again, a 6-2 victory for um, Fraserborough against Brora, having been 2-0 down. Uh, in the juniors, Stonehaven followed a 4-1 league win over Buckenhaven Hearts with a 2-1 victory against Brigadon Thistle in the Quest Engineering Interregional Trophy first round. <laughs> That's not good in a t-shirt. Uh, yeah, on Saturday, manager Martin Rollins. Yeah, we're a good win in the league, so we've got to keep the pressure on Stony with Parkville. So we hope to get past Fraserburgh next Saturday. That'll be a tough game. They had a good result this week, uh, beating Dufton yesterday. So that'll always be tough. Fraserburgh are a good, stuffy side. A good, stuffy side. Uh, Just briefly to England and the Community Shield, Leicester coming out on top on that one against Man City, Jack Grealish and all. Um, Their league season kicks off this coming weekend uh, in, in the big league in England. How do you see it going this year, guys? You would anticipate that the the big clubs will be battling it out for the the big prizes, i.e. finishing in the top four. Same old, same old. Yeah, they they don't really care about the Cups, do they, down there? I mean, it gets you the Europa League or whatever. Who cares? Um, They just want to be in the Champions League where the big money is. Uh, And to be honest, that's where UEFA wants the big clubs. Uh, I think Manchester City will be difficult to dislodge. Uh, Chelsea will, will be all right. I think Manchester United, if they can get away to a good start, will be there or thereabouts. Big season for the likes of Arsenal and Tottenham, who didn't do very much last season. Liverpool, obviously, having been champions and then not defending their title too well, uh, will be keen to to be in the mix once again. But uh, to me, it's it's all just a, a wee bit too much of a money game down south. I mean, you... When you see some of the figures being bandied around for players... 100, uh, 100 million, there, was it, for Goulish? 100 million for, yeah. for Goulish. I'm sorry, come on. And then you see that, you know, the likes of Sean Rooney at St Johnston, uh, a derisory bid of 200 grand from Rotherham for a guy who scored the winning goals in two cup finals in Scotland, who was part of a St Johnston team that went to Galatasaray and got a draw. <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy. Um what you hope for in England is that VAR does not play as big a part in the games as it did last season because, frankly, it became absolutely boring. Well, I hope they take the lead from the Euros because VAR seemed to work so much better in the Euros and the referees, you know, the, it was almost like a VAR light as opposed to the, you know, and I'm just quite right, you know, the delays that we had five, ten minutes before a decision was made just spoiled the game, and I think the fans are sick and fed up of it as well. It's an interesting one, because before VAR, uh, there were people banging doors down to get VAR included in games to, to sort things out once and for all, um, and I think it's just the way it's been implemented. We all kind of agree in the fact that it can be useful, as you say, when it was VAR light in the European Championships. It's just the way that it's implemented. Sometimes too much of a heavy touch in the in the English Premier League, Dave. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think the referees will have taken, you know, note and cognizance of the way it was handled in the Euros. So hopefully that will make a difference, and they, you know, we can enjoy watching the football as opposed to watching the referee watching the football time and time again. 
Incidentally, uh, Pitodri PS, the only place where you'll hear Jack Grealish and St. John's and Sean Rooney being compared in the same sentence. <laughs> Briefly in golf, Andrew, tell me about David Law this past week. Yeah, David finished fourth uh, at the Hero Open at Fairmont St. Andrews. Uh, the winner was a Scots, Grant Forrest from North Berwick. He won just under €190,000, uh, finishing 24 under par. Uh, and Tied in fourth place with Davy Law was Callum Hill from Kirkcaldy. Uh, and it was good to see, first of all, an event taking place in Scotland, but also seeing a Scottish winner, because that's the first time we've had a Scottish winner on the European Tour on home soil since guess who won the 2012 Johnny Walker at Glen Eagles? Go on. Paul Laurie. <laughs> that is pretty much it for episode one of Pitodri PS. Now, we aim to publish every week on a Tuesday if we can, always looking back to the Don's previous fixtures and ahead to the next. Please remember to follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could rate and review us, tell us what you think of the show as well. We'd appreciate it. Well, we think if it's going to be rubbish, don't bother. Thanks for checking out Pitodri PS. See you next time.